Pairing as a leader with somebody on the team and it was to get more in the trenches and get a feel for here's what's going on. Welcome to part three of the Tri-Catch series on pair programming. I'm your host, Natalie, and I talk with my leader, Mike Warren, on his thoughts on pairing. Listen in, add comments, and if you haven't already, check out the other interviews on pair programming. They're all worth a listen. So let's get started. Bar is low. All right. I think I could trip over it. <laughs> no. <laughs> Well, we are live, and I am with Mike Warren, my team leader, my boss. I give you huge credit for hiring me. (laughs) It was one of my better decisions. Better decisions? I've set hesitation there. (laughs) I just want to make sure you get the right word. (laughs) One of the other things I admire is your strategy, so that's why I wanted to talk to you about pairing. So let's start it off. Can you share a little bit about your background and your experience with pairing? Sure. So background... For me personally, when I was a developer, I always did a lot of pairing, even though I didn't really know that it was a thing or had a name or whatever. I just would find working with somebody else on the same code, same monitor, same keyboard, thinking about the problem, bouncing ideas off each other. We got a lot more work done more quickly. I always have appreciated the quality aspect of it too and found like we had a more quality results sooner working together that way. So. That was kind of where I'd come from, and then when I came to Farm Credit, some people had gone to a Microsoft conference, and they had pairing labs set up, and they were all excited about this. We thought, well, why don't we experiment with that? And that was when our flooring space was a little different than a little different situation than now, and we had some room to work with, and we set up some pairing labs in our team row. Right. That's kind of where it, where it all started. You come from a developer background, and even though pairing didn't have a name, you were doing it. So when they introduced it to Farm Credit, what was your thought process behind that, and how did that go? Well, my introduction to it as a formal thing came from reading the book XP Programming Explained, and that's extreme programming. And pair programming is a, is a major aspect of extreme programming. Okay. So I had been exposed to it conceptually and informally in my own development experience. I've always been very interested in extreme programming as a concept. When people came back from that conference excited about these pairing labs, it seemed like a great opportunity to say, hey, why don't we try this and um, see how it really works in a, in a formal application. Yeah, the rest just kind of took off from there. Can you explain more about, for those that don't know, extreme programming and how pairing is incorporated with that? So extreme programming is a, there was a book that came out, I want to say late 90s. It describes a set of practices that constitutes extreme programming. Several of them are things that we use here at Farm Credit and in a lot of modern development shops. Some of the highlights of it to me are the ability, the, the key to me is the ability to fearlessly refactor code. To be able to fearlessly refactor code, you have got to have regression, automation, continuous integration, and theory in this book that's espoused is you can't pick and choose from these practices. All of the practices that constitute extreme programming are complementary, and one of them is pair programming. So pair programming allows you to go faster and not be at risk of making mistakes. It improves quality of outcomes as long as you're doing several of these other practices like automated testing too. Gotcha. 
two heads is better than one with this methodology. Right. So you were there when they started experimenting with pairing. How did that go <laughs> on the team? Well, like I said, they had seen these labs at Microsoft, and we tried to recreate them. So we pushed some extra tables together back-to-back and put two monitors on each and two keyboards and two mice. And back then, we didn't have laptops for all the developers. We had workstations. The workstations were fairly expensive, and we didn't keep a lot of extra ones around. But I think we had just gone through a refresh cycle, so there were some of the old ones still around. We got those and put them at the pairing stations. And, you know, developers being developers, they didn't feel that those were fast enough and didn't compile the code quickly enough, so they wanted to use their their workstation at their desk. Right. And the workaround we figured out was to use remote desktop from the pairing station back to their machine at their desks. That so makes sense. We also had a happy accident along the way. Um, when we were setting up this lab, there were so many cables, as you can imagine, power cords, mice, keyboards, monitors, and we had gotten it messed up where we had plugged two of the mice into the same CPU. And that was actually not intentional. It wound up working out, and it worked even better than what we had had intended. So we thought that people were going to share one keyboard. And we actually found out by having both developers have a keyboard and a mouse, pairing was way more effective. And I think that goes against what was originally prescribed when people described pair programming. It was supposed to be sharing a single keyboard and mouse, but it it was way more collaborative. At any point, whoever was driving and who was navigating could switch right. on the fly. Right. And that really facilitated how we do pair programming, I think, and made the experiment a success. Right. So, so that's awesome that they fumbled onto that. Yeah. And then that was like, whoa, this is better. Yeah. <laughs> Two steering wheels, right? right. <laughs> to drive together. Yep. Huh. So as a leader, oh, I broke a pen. (laughs) (laughs) So as a leader, your perspective on pairing, are you pro, it depends, are you con? If you express that as a spectrum, I'm on a spectrum between it depends and pro and much closer to pro than it depends. So I think by default, any complex problem, which is pretty much every problem we face, is going to benefit from having a pairing situation. I think there's times, anything you're talking about, anything complex that you ever talk about, there's always the it depends answer. And and I think that applies here too. There's always times when you can say, well, here's where it would make sense that we're not going to do this, or we may alter how we're going to pair. You know, we describe these systems as complex. Sometimes there's a simple bug fix. Or one of the things people don't always think about is, you know, you don't want to have work marriages. So there's a pair right. that's been working together on a story and it's coming to an end, but it's not quite done. And somebody else's story is, and there's a chance to maybe create a new pair and be in something new. And I think it makes sense at that point to maybe ask one of them if they would like off that story and to start a new one. So I, I think the answer is more complex than just yes or no, should you or shouldn't you. My default would be you should unless. So what are your unless? What are the times we don't want to pair strategically? Yeah, and and I wouldn't say it as strongly as don't want to pair, where I can see making exceptions if it's a developer preference would be there's a very straightforward bug fix to be made, it's time to change up a pair, it's work that's tangential to what the team's working on, so somebody's got to go do a production issue that came up for a former project and we want to keep making progress on the current project. 
More interesting, more recently, I've been open to the idea of not pairing as much on pure UI development. I know most of the time we want to be doing slice of the cake, but if you ever find yourself just tweaking a UI, especially if you have a UX person involved with the team where you're working directly off and trying to faithfully recreate a Zeppelin design, you know that you're going to demo that. You're going to have a lot of eyes on it before it ever gets promoted into an upper environment. I can see, you know, maybe not always going to the default pairing arrangement in situations like that, but I'm also not against it. Right. I know our team, we heavily pair, but that it ebbs and flow depends on the focus and what we're working on. Like if it's more complex, we're pairing, but when we were working on a series of bug fixes, we were just individually soloing it. Right. And those are great yeah. examples. Recently, we've been recently for quite a while now, we've been working very heavily on front end UI work. And historically, that hasn't been the case on our team. We've done a lot of services and back end work. And that's where I default and strongly feel you really need to pair because it's the opposite of the situation where you're working from a visible template, hands on users, and now you're talking about backend systems where a failure could be silent and be exceptionally damaging before it even gets noticed. Having that extra set of eyes, and, and really what we're talking about is the extra brain. Having two brains thinking about hard problems and seeing where the pitfalls could be and addressing issues, you really are getting instantaneous code review, quality checks, encouragements to do the right thing when it comes to, hey, do we need a unit test here or there? Right. Um, there's, there's just so many advantages, and especially, like I say, when you're doing back-end and service work where there's a greater chance of bugs escaping into the wild. So. Right. So I see you as a leader who's all about strategically, how do you get things to a done-done state? But pairing, it's expensive because you have two people on a thread with that perspective, what is your response to that? Is it worth it? Is it worth the expense? Do we get enough out of it to make it worth having two developers focus on a story at a time? So I challenge the premise, um, actually, that it's expensive. I think it's expensive not to when you consider the expense of fixing a bug exponentially increases the further from the time it's created to the time it's discovered you can almost describe it as expensive not to pair because you're finding bugs as you go. You're finding them as they're created. And if one of those had made it into production and caused a financial loss or reputation loss on top of the amount of time it would take to research it and go through all the recreating, what was the thinking behind this and trying to understand and context switch and do all those things. Yeah. I don't feel it's expensive. I, I feel anecdotally and some metrics evidence wise that actually a pair gets a story done 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 with quality in in all the things we care about just as fast or faster than two people doing two different stories would do all right so yeah go pro pairing right <laughs> absolutely <laughs> so you and i we've had some history where we paired together and we've done it with a story where we factored it, bigger story, and we've done it with smaller stories. So you don't have to license. I'm hearing what you're saying. <laughs> what was your experience pairing as a leader in the trenches? And what do you have to share about that? 
Uh, those were great experiences um, for me. I, I hope they weren't too traumatic for you. Uh, <laughs> I survived pairing with Mike. <laughs> yeah, that, that should be on a t-shirt. Yeah. Uh, no, those those were great, and they really reaffirmed my belief that pairing is is a great practice in something that is the strength of our shop. And and a lot of that has to do with working with you. And pairing's effective. You go back to that question of expensive. You know, it can be expensive if you're not doing it effectively. I felt like our pairing was very effective. There was a lot of challenging, a lot of conversation back and forth, and I never felt like anybody was just sitting there along for the ride. And I think about how long that solution would have taken either one of us. Well, it would have taken me forever because you had to show me how to do a lot of stuff. But (laughs) (laughs) um, either one of us working alone, I feel like that project would have taken much longer versus being able to solve problems real time by just bouncing ideas off each other. Or, you know, here's another advantage of it too. We could interrupt the pairing on a a short-term basis when one of us would go get some additional information or ask questions. And it just felt like the the back and forth, I know the quality of that code. I know the code base, we, we fearlessly refactored it as we were pairing and the code base is lean and mean now. And we reduced the lines of code immensely and came out with a really I feel still proud of that solution that we came up with. Right. And we made it better. To use an analogy, it's not going to sound good at first, but I kind of consider like the pairing, an effective pairing, kind of like we have a rope. And the story requirements is we need to get this rope in a certain shape from one point to the other. And at times, it could be a tug of war, right? (laughs) Because like you have one rope and I have another rope. We're like, no, we should go this way. (laughs) And it's not like we're going towards the same destination. But with that back and forth, then we're like, oh, wait, our minds align. We think about certain factors. I didn't think about that. Oh, yeah, I didn't think about that. And then we can more effectively eventually go, okay, let's hold this rope. Let's work towards that one destination. Yeah, and I think the beauty of doing that in a pairing situation is you're getting across that that path together at the same time and you're effectively having a code review design discussion all these things all at the same time and I you know and having been in shops where they rely heavily on code reviews it feels a lot better to have been a part of the conversation that chose a direction than it does to get all your work done have somebody review it and say no go do it this way right and that's not always a pleasant experience but speaking of pleasant experiences I'm going to turn the tables on you how would you describe or feel about how effective our pairing was I so here's the huge thing I feel like our relationship has significantly improved because of our pairing experience and also because of that because when we were pairing like I I would I would be like you're still gonna wear the t-shirt though right (laughs) (laughs) get me what I will wear it (laughs) but but when when we were pairing sometimes it'd be like I don't know where he's going with this and I'm like oh I see the light like okay and then that would spark me to think a different way it also sparked me to think a little bit more strategically sometimes I think too detail-oriented and you're thinking about the destination it was a good combination yeah and then here and there and I told you I did this I'd be like see now you can relate now you can understand what we're going with and I think I remember you telling me well yeah now I have more empathy as a developer and more understanding of what your process yeah I'm glad you brought that up and that that was another big benefit of pairing as a leader with somebody on the team and it was to get more in the trenches and get a feel for here's what's going on and versus what you think how you think things work and seeing how they really work and yeah, I think it was very mutually beneficial. So yeah, I agree. Definitely enjoyed that. I agree. I won't take it back. And I'll wear that I survived pairing with Mike <laughs> t-shirt. <laughs> um, you mentioned, and I don't want to not 
talk about this is that pairing, yes, it can be too expensive if it's not effective. Right. And I know that you have thoughts on this. So what makes pairing effective? So again, I go to our pairing experience, two very engaged people actively. There's no passive role in pairing. And it's probably easier to talk about the anti-patterns and things that make it not work and make it expensive. And a lot of those are, you know, it just comes down to communication and kind of team dynamics, uh, interpersonal dynamics. There's definitely some things that will ruin a good pairing session, like when your schedules are way out of sync. Think of things like, you know, we used to have a rule of don't bring your cell phone back to the pairing station. Right. Um, if, if, if somebody's not engaged and they're involved in a pairing situation, this is where it's beyond expensive. It, it, you're actually maybe impacting the productivity of two people now. So instead of getting, you know, the benefit, the extra small percentage by having a pair there actively working it, you know, it, it's a wash to a small gain productivity wise, in my opinion. Um, but it can be a huge hit to productivity if even one of the pair is disengaged. And I think about, you know, just some of the examples I gave where the schedules are wildly out of sync or there's a lot of interruptions. That's actually interrupting two people's productivity and it can get expensive quickly. There's probably a number of other, you know, anti-patterns you could bring up from your years of uh, pairing on right. Jedi. And you, you know what works and what doesn't work. And I think it's really important for the investment to take care of making sure that the pairing is effective on a team. And there are things you can do to do that. Like one of them is encourage that pairs take periodic breaks at the same time, of course. I mean, it's it's ideal. We don't want to introduce or force a, uh, a schedule out of sync situation. But and I remember back to our pairing, it was easy to get heads down and look up right. and all the, you know, the whole day had gone by. Right. That's great when it happens naturally. It shouldn't be. It shouldn't feel like that's the normal state or the ex- expectation. I think it's really important that pairs, if they're, if it, it can be an exhausting activity. If two people are that engaged in a story, right? At some point, you're mentally exhausted. Right. You need to just stand up and take a walk and right. you know get get a get a breath and you know it's good for I your mean, health too. So right. I mean, I feel good about our pairing experiences. Like, and I can think of other pairing experiences, but. Like it can be, um, it, it can be more involved and more intense because you care and you're so passionate about it that it is good to remember to take those take those breaks or you know step away from it. And you know, um, another thing I would add to that too is when it's not possible to keep the schedules entirely in sync, which does happen, right? right. So um, you know, at Farm Credit, we're encouraged to be involved in work groups and things like this. I mean, it does go back to a lot of other lean principles. And one that we don't talk enough about is Slack. And, you know, I, I think it's up to a pair to decide when to, to do this. But, you know, this temptation can be to just have one person keep going. I think that really you got to, again, think of what's the right thing to do. Sometimes that is. Other times it might be, hey, go do a plural site class or do some other thing that's to kind of offset the tendency for pairing to turn into a heads down situation. It's like make sure you're using your opportunities where you have a break to use them. Right. And And I think that's good advice, even pairing and non-pairing situations Mm. as well. Very true. Yeah. So, oh, I had a question in my brain. Where did it go? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I'll skip to a different one. If I remember it, I'll rebring it back up. 
what would your response be to people that don't like to pair or are not as good pairs? Do you think they can be successful at farm credit? How would you handle that or what would be your advice? Uh, the, the first piece of advice I would say is to give it a try. And a lot of people that have maybe negative experiences with it, I, I think it's actually probably more common that they have no experience with it. And the situation there is you can create a bad experience out of the gate that's going to ensure that they all their suspicions come true. Right. And it's important not to. Um, over the years, I've hired a lot of developers here. And there's some I wondered, hey, how are they going to, feel about pairing and you know some of them are lead developers now and <laughs> and you know, I think they had a healthy degree of skepticism but they were willing to rise to the challenge of hey I'll try it and I know at least one of them you if you ask him he would say I can't imagine working in any other way so I think if you create the right environment where it doesn't feel like some kind of forced death march and heads down don't do anything else and, and just stay focused on this and you got to be together all day long and you're going to be working on the same stories together forever. Those kinds of things would create a negative experience. I don't feel like that is at all part of our culture. I think our culture encourages collaboration to a degree where it almost feels natural for people to pair and the way we do the pairing here, people become very open and receptive to it because it really just feels like two people collaborating on a problem because that's what it is. Right. I like how you mentioned and I absolutely agree with this about the first time that you pair, making sure that's set up for success and that's a good experience. Because I remember before coming to Farm Credit, I consider myself a very flexible person. I can get along with different people. I'm like, oh, yeah, no problem pairing. But I come from years and years of solo programming. Yeah. I mean, with some like minor exceptions, but they'd be short periods of time. And when I came, I'm like, what? I need to think out loud and talk and develop with another person at the same time. I'm like, I can't use my words. And I, that was still where I felt like I was learning yeah. and like learning and trying to prove myself and like actually typing in front of a person made me feel a little bit vulnerable and self-conscious. I'm like, wait, I have years of developer experience. I shouldn't be shy. Like internally, I go through that. But because of the environment and the team members and the pairs, when experiencing it, it made sense. Yeah, it, it's one of the many things that pro we can all be proud of working at Farm Credit, too. I mean, the reason Scrum and now Kanban and Lean have been so successful here is because it was part of the corporate culture even before AppDev was doing it. And an extension of that culture is, you know, how we think about the experience we create for people. We want to have, you know, the Madison Square Garden experience in our old vision statement. And... Because of that, a lot of thought went into when we decided let's encourage pair programming on a large scale, well, what would make that a successful experience versus a negative one and sure. make people want to buy into it and embrace it. And a lot of that you see and look around you, even as our space has shrunk, there's some things that we just won't give on, right? So the tables are set up so they're wide enough for two people to sit and not be in an uncomfortable or situation where you, both of you can't see the monitors or both of you can't have a keyboard because of pairing, it's a, it was a strong aspect of why we went to laptop-based workstations instead of the old fixed workstations. We really put a lot of thought into how do we make this a pleasant experience and get the benefit out of it. Because you're right, if you have that negative experience and turn on it, it's going to be hard to recover from that. Right. Well, I remembered what I was going to talk about. And this is one of the things that I remember that I appreciate about happening is you had said, in a team meeting, hey, pairing is expensive. We don't want to be complacent. How can we have pairing 
agreements or how can you make sure that we're optimizing and doing the best? And then as a team, you help lead and say, all right, what are the things that we want to do that helps maximize pairing? Making sure at the end of the day that we share each other's calendars so we can optimize how we want to work. The other thing is two keyboards and two mouse, mm-hmm. which is helpful. Dang, I'm forgetting other good ones. <laughs> but, well, to your point, I think yeah. it's important that the team has a lot of input in what will make pairing successful for right. them. And um, it's easy to sit on the outside of that and not be involved in pairing all day and say, here's what you should do. I think it's very important that the people that are doing it can say, hey, this is what works and this is what doesn't work. And that can vary from person to person, team to team. So it kind of ties back to your other question of what if somebody you know isn't a fan of pairing, can they thrive here? I think the answer is a qualified yes. Collaboration is a huge part of our culture and everybody fits into that one way or another. And maybe they don't pair as much as somebody else, but there's always gonna be times when you need to. And I've never met anybody who just was outright opposed to doing the right thing at the right time. But the kinds of things you're talking about lead to people being more accepting and open to it too. So once they've been through some successful situations with it, have some input into kind of the ground rules for the pairing in their environment, those all set it up to succeed and the people doing it to succeed. Thank you, Mike. That's all I have. Do you have anything else to add? Thanks for having me, Natalie. Yeah, I appreciate this. Glad you survived. (laughs) (laughs) Me too. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs>